This is the Florida Spectacular Podcast, celebrating the Sunshine State. Here are your hosts, Kathy Celestri and John Kyle. Find Kathy on Twitter and Instagram at Kathy Celestri and online at greatfloridaroadtrip.com. Find John on Instagram at Don't Make Me Turn This Van Around and online at Don't Make Me Turn This Van Around.com. Now, discover a Florida you never knew existed. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Florida Spectacular, your podcast about all the best parts of Florida. I'm Kathy Celestri, uh, co-hosting with John Kyle, and today uh, we talk about a little northeasterly part of the state. Indeed. Profound stuff. Do you want to reveal what it is? <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess they'd want to know. Yeah. Can't we just talk about it and let everybody guess? Is yeah, that, that would be good. We could do trivia. Like, we're going to do a whole show where we don't tell anybody what we're talking about. And then have them guess. Um, we are going to talk about Amelia Island and Fernandina Beach, which is the town uh, on Amelia Island. Um, I don't know about you, but when I mention Amelia Island to people, and we go there fairly often because my wife has family there, we say Amelia Island, Fernandina Beach, and they give us this look like, what? Um like they mean? don't know they don't know where it is and people generally people who live in florida i'm not going to call them all floridians but people who live in florida don't necessarily know about this area maybe it's because we're down on the gulf coast and and people are very gulf coast centric down here um, what's your experience with people's knowledge of the area well i i I don't know because I talk about Fernandina when I say that. And anytime I talk about the area, you say I talk Fernandina about... funny, first of all, because you well, keep saying Fernandina. Fernandina. Uh, Fernandina, yeah. Words <laughs> lost all meaning. Yes. Um, so um, I think about it. I know that it's on Amelia. I, I mean, I do that. But when, when I think about it and talk about it, I'm typically talking about it in terms of history. If you remember that. When I'm talking about places, a lot of times I'm lecturing, uh, not talking. I I talk to you differently because you travel around Florida, too, but I'm usually lecturing. And so I'm talking about the history of how am I supposed to say it? It's Fernandina. So there's not Fernandina. I mean, we'd say Fernando if it was a person's name, but. But as the locals, I think, would say it's Fernandina. You know, it's like it just. You know, not not quite so much emphasis in the middle of the word there. Um, so I talk I talk about its history and how many flags it's had and the Spanish and uh, you know the yeah. dates to the 16th century and um, Jean Rabot and just I, I go into all that. So I think either people are really interested in that or their eyes just glass over anyway yeah. when I'm talking. So, so if we start um, with the basics, Fernandina, Amelia Island is just north of Jacksonville, right before you get to Georgia, right? Right. It's it part is, of the Sea Islands. It's part of the Sea Islands. It's got a very uh, low country, South Carolina, Charleston, Jekyll Island, Georgia yes. feel to it, It's, um, which is refreshing if you're used to the other areas of Florida, because it does have kind of a southern beach feel. Um when people go, where is that again? If you say Amelia Island Plantation, 
sometimes that'll jog some memories because Mill Island Plantation is is this big, huge resort that has been there for a long time. And it was kind of designed in like the uh, an older resort style, like a kind of like a kind of strung out under the oak trees along the uh, behind the dunes. So it's kind of an interesting uh, place because it does not exude Florida resort style as much as it does sort of a southern resort beach style. Um, I think it's interesting for that reason. It's um, I love the southern vibe. You know, if uh, some people in Florida are familiar with the saying, you have to go north to get south. Because down here, where we are in the Gulf, central Gulf Coast, it's it's New South, meaning that it was predominantly settled after the end of the Civil War. But Gainesville and Points North are Old South. They were predominantly settled before um, the Civil War. So there is a difference. And what I love so much about the islands, especially as you're going right up into Georgia and South Carolina, that whole chain of islands just is such a beautiful Southern island feel, which is different than a Florida beach vacation. Woohoo! Why don't we get drunk and screw and listen to the Jimmy Buffett cover band vibe? Right. Um, you know, it's just different, and I like I like that we can have such a different beach. And I love I love going there. I had a great experience there when I was there in September. We were camping at Fort Clinch, and it was just like this completely magical experience. Um, we got to see a submarine surface. Uh, I got to see a very, very small gopher tortoise in the wild. I mean, like smaller than my hand. Um, you know, just all the wildlife, the deer, yeah. the sun. It's just gorgeous. It's just such a beautiful, magical place. Um, don't care for the mainland. Very crowded. Maybe it was the time of year we were there, which shouldn't have been. But um, the, the coastal mainland, areas, like, I don't like. You mean like, like over the bridge in Yuli? I mean. Or are you talking about like Fernandina Beach, the city, the town? The city, okay. Fernandina Beach. Is that really the mail is still on the island? Um, Fort Clinch is in Fernandina Beach. I mean, it's you, you drive out, you know, towards the beach and it's, you know, it's, it's tucked behind neighborhoods. Yeah. Yes, um, it is. It's, it's but, I, I, but I like the coastal neighborhoods there. I was impressed the first time yeah. I went there of how the neighborhoods were basically built right up to the sand dunes almost in some places, which I'm sure is an environmental disaster, but. Um, it is definitely interesting the way the, the, you know, you have that skinny strand of land between the road and the, and the, and the beach um, where they have, they have these huge dunes, like quite tall um, with houses built in them and usually room for one house, you know, and you, you know, and if you know Florida beaches and how they behave during, major storms you know you know how quickly there can be no room for a house there um but it is kind of in that little i don't know if you've ever like you know obviously we've all tracked hurricanes as they come through but the way the the coastline curves in at jacksonville there it makes it very difficult for a because because the hurricanes tend to come from the south I'm saying be it. careful. <laughs> be careful, man. Don't jinx anybody. <laughs> I know. I'll stop right there. But but typically uh hurricanes tend to go up, you know, and then I make perpendicular landfall with uh Georgia and South Carolina because of the way they angle towards the south. That is not to say that Jacksonville and, and Fernandina have not and St. Augustine have had some terrible, terrible uh storm damage and flooding over the past few years. So they're not like immune from it. 
but um, but it, it does explain why you do still see some beach shacks um, that haven't fallen into the sea along there. I want to say that um, you know the, the plantation goes back probably like forty or fifty years or whatever. Um, so it's kind of got this old field. There's obviously been lots of new things built at the plantation, but there's also uh, relatively within the last 15 years, I would say, a Ritz-Carlton um, is down there towards the plantation. And they hold a Concourse de Elegance, which is like this super duper fancy car show. And like, you know, all these billionaires and millionaires fly in and they have Rolls Royces and Bentleys and every Ferrari and and everything and so it's a very like as we sit and talk about the southern charm of fernandina and amelia island the there's a uh, influx of visiting money there that is startling uh that you don't expect it is not panama city south beach uh type of a no. southern beach no it is a um is it the, the it is a definitely an I don't want to say northern money or I just want to say like there's some very rich people that like to spend some time there um, and their season does not track really with what we think of beach season in Florida. It is it, it can be a uh, spring break destination, but it's far enough north that it does get very cold there. So it's not like a winter beach destination, although Christmas is very cool there. They They do a great job with Christmas and it's a neat place to visit during Christmas. It's cold. Um, so really the summer is a time to visit there as well. Florida cold. Florida cold. Clear, right. Florida cold. Yeah. So but it, I mean, it does. Not, I mean, unless you're Canadian, you're not getting in the water. Well, a lot of Canadians, but yeah, a lot of Canadians. It does, someone's got to swim in January. It does track a little bit with how the, the golden Isles, like at Hilton head and yes. Cumberland, it tracks with their season more than yes, our season. Absolutely. So, and it's it's interesting. I Which actually is when did, is their season? Because every time I go there, I'm cold. Right. Um, you know, Boris's <laughs> parents used to live in Hilton Head, and I loved it. They were yeah. right on. They were right on the beach, and it was um, really nice. But it is weird because their seasons are a little flip flopped. Yeah. Um, I feel like at Christmas it was not very crowded, but in the summer when it was very warm. Um, very very crowded but I, I opposite of florida right we we september is the universal empty month but christmas time it's usually pretty crowded especially january yeah. things like that um I, know, I would say you could go there september october and get perfect weather you know um and whereas maybe down south it's still a little too hot, like in fort lauderdale and stuff yeah. um you know, we go to Jekyll Island. We've been there a couple times. We were there in January, and and it's cold. It's a cold beach. You're not like out there sunbathing or anything. But it is neat to visit these places when it isn't beach weather, um, because they they do have a little bit more to offer than just the beach. There's history. There's dining. Yes. Um, so are you are you familiar with the War of Jenkins Ear? No. But I think you're so, going to tell me. I'm not, I'm not going to give you the whole history lesson, but um, it, it, I'm glad that you mentioned history because I um, we stayed at the King and Prince Resort, which is um, not in Florida, but it is in the Golden Isles. Um, okay. it's, it's, no, but it's right there. It's part of the Golden yeah. Isles. And there's a national memorial there that um, I cannot remember the name of. 
but you get into this really um, bizarre war that we had. It was Spanish, I think, Spanish and British probably. And um, it's one of those, there's maybe, maybe Spanish and uh, yeah, Britain and Spain. And it was in the 18th century. And basically the, the, the whole, the reason they call it that is supposedly one of the um, British sailors lost an ear um, off the coast of Florida with, with, you know, the Spanish cut off his ear. And the story goes um, that um, the ear made it back to the crown and this started a whole war. They were so incensed that the sailor had lost an ear. Now the reality of the ear actually getting back from the coast of Florida, right, right at the Florida, Georgia border to uh, great Britain is I, I, I'm going to call bullshit on that a little bit, but um, <laughs> yeah, 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 that was, that was, that was what we said. So it was basically piracy, even though we don't like to call it that um, British ships kept Spanish ships fighting the whole thing. And anyway, um, they, uh, this started a war and, you know, King George was very upset. He was always off about something. And basically uh, it was for the, battle it was a battle for the border essentially and if things had gone differently i always tell people florida would be having british food all over the place instead of black beans and rice and cuban you know this wonderful spanish influx that we've had um interesting interesting yes well it was a very board that that border was a very important that's why fort clinch was built there that border was significant well before florida was part of the united states i mean we forget that Florida was like this little ping pong ball where you know, we're British, we're Spanish, we're British, we're Spanish. And you know, it all comes down to sugar and, you know, to grow, to grow the sugar, to make the rum and we need the slaves and everybody's trying to hold on to the Caribbean. And Florida was the biggest part of that. And Fort Clinch was actually built. I, I, you know, not, not to, it was used, I think in the civil war, that was not its initial intent. So. Yeah, no, I it, think it was the, I, you know, I did a little research. I think it was like 1840s when Fort Clinch was was um, was the, the building, the, the the structure that we know now. Though it was a key spot before that. I think you know the, the interesting thing about you know that area also is like you know, like many outposts in the Civil War in Florida, like Key West, Fernandina fairly quickly became a Union. Uh, you know, the, the Confederates couldn't hold it. They, they weren't going to devote the resources to hold it. So the town sort of was in this middling, like we're in the South, but we're not being controlled by, by Confederate yes. forces. And then so like when the Emancipation Proclamation was read, there were free, free blacks in, in Fernandina um, who celebrated uh, the, the Emancipation Proclamation and General Shaw's black regiment that we know from the movie glory um was there for a spell as well um and i've been spending a lot of time with general shaw because he fought at olusty and my family we visited olusty um we were just in boston where there's a big memorial to general shaw and then he's got a tie to uh fernandina beach so when we think of these you know we think of florida as being all new all post air conditioning uh, if, but if you go to Fernandina, you're going to get an old town that looks like it looks like someone dropped Savannah on the beach, you know, in a way <laughs> like old Savannah, not like new high rise Savannah. It's like it's got the main street. It's got the ice cream shop. And 
you know, it's got the Lily Pulitzer and all, it's got all the resort wear, <laughs> shopping, you know, and the boat people clothing and everything, but it's got great food. Um, and it has real history. The museum there is very cool. Uh, we took our kids there back a few years ago. And I remember not only was it a cool, mu- cool, like local history museum, but are you also, talking about the um, Amelia Island Museum of History? Yes, yes. Um, they've got all kinds of stuff on pirates and stuff there. Um, but they also have like, you know, I'm one of these people that actually likes it when they throw up an exhibit with a whole bunch of words where you just read the history of the area. And then it wasn't like it was crowded or anything. So I don't mind like getting that. But also they did a good job with like just a lot of artifacts and everything. Really funny story. Our, our, they had like some kind of a, thing where they had a sound effect with some pirates singing music or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but our kids realized that it was an Alexa back there playing this thing. Really? And so they started talking to this Alexa, <laughs> making it do things that, are, you know, I mean, they just had it like playing other music. It was, it was random. Like I was like, hi, and they were, this was when they were like, you know, this is like uh, several years ago. So they were pretty small at the time. I was like, Good for you for figuring that one out. So, note to the museum: uh, don't don't let the 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 you know delinquents mess with your Alexa sound effects. Um, your kids beware. are not delinquents. Yeah, I mean no, that's a little stretch calling your kids delinquents. A museum. That's the, that's well, if that's the museum their, is silly enough to use ground, an Alexa, right? I mean yeah, they're they're all <laughs> so. Um, they're not beyond um, figuring out the inner workings, but yeah, I would, I would definitely visit that. Talk about Fort Clinch though, because you're like, you love, I mean, I love Fort Clinch, but you love Fort Clinch. So I'm fascinated about everything with Fort Clinch. So you mentioned they started construction on the fort in the 1840s. Um, and uh, you know, actually the first fortification started in the 1700s, um, but it was almost, I think you can go to the state park website and it'll tell you, you know, they started fortifying it in the 1700s, which was part of the, we're Spanish, we're British, we're Spanish, we're British type of nonsense. Um, but then they started building the I think fort there were some Ernest. French too in the mix there, weren't there? No? They tried. They, they, they tried. were just, yeah. they, they, they tried. I mean, they, 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 they didn't do so well, but they, yeah. they did try. Yes, there were some yeah. French, but they never really got a stronghold. Like the Spanish were pretty serious about holding on to yeah. the yeah. Couple couple French, centuries. The French weren't trying to change anybody's religion. That was the problem. They weren't. No, they were escaping it. persecution, yeah. I believe. But yeah. I mean, it was they. They just weren't. They just wanted to make to the money. weather. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, they weren't paying attention to the weather. I mean, they yeah. they uh, there was a hurricane coming, and the story goes they didn't you know really know I guess what that was, and um, they just ran into some problems, and the Spanish used it to their advantage, and it, anyway, so the the fort itself um, started taking taking shape in the 1800s, even though Fort Clinch was, the area was fortified in the, in the uh, early to mid 18th century. But by the 20s, um, basically, it, they're just, that's it. It was demolition by neglect and um, was sold, it belonged to the army then um, because they, they figured, well, we're not gonna need this as a fort anymore. You know, this is all the United States now. Um, we won't ever need it. So basically it just started to fall apart. And then during the depression, when we had the Works Progress Administration, the Civilian Conservation Corps, which were the men, they were like 25 year old men and they were 
um, they were young strapping men. They used to call them Roosevelt's tree army because they would do things like go plant trees and they were put to work. They were paid, I think, $30 a, a week or a month or something. And most of it had to go home to their parents. Um, but they did work on our first nine parts and Fort Clinch. They worked on Fort Clinch. And uh, what's really amazing to me about it is that um, it was company 1420. And they were at Fort Clinch. And one of the jobs they had to do is that because the fort's right on the water and storms, I know there's no hurricanes. You've made that clear, John. No, no. I regret saying that. Um, Well, I I mean, there's there's been, uh, over the years, there have been a lot of like crap, sand and dirt and other stuff. And so these these men, these boys, these 25-year-old boys actually used wheelbarrows to carry out tons of dirt and clear it out. And they basically, you know, restored the entire place. And so it was just a really incredible, it was backbreaking work. Um, and that's, I mean, that to me in and of itself is that, you know, yeah. it's this piece of history. I think people do not think about, I don't know how many people go to Amelia for the shrimp festival and don't go to Fort Clinch, but it really has um, some pretty good history. When we were there in September, um, I, we went into the fort and we're walking around and there was a guy dressed like a, a soldier, a period soldier. And I wanted to ask him questions, but I don't like, here we're going, you have the reenactors who pretend that it's still 1860. And they're like, right. what is that device what, in your hand? What I'm are like, these I don't strange wanna, clothes you have? Yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, like, look, yeah. I, 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 please don't make me pretend that you actually lived when dysentery was a thing. Okay, I don't want to do it. So I was really hesitant. Finally went up to him and he wasn't like that at all. Was not like that at all. Super happy to talk to us. Um, and I started talking about the WPA and the, you know, the CCC. And he was really cool. And he said, because um, I mentioned that we had been at Mayapa, which was another state park. And that was the state park because this happened, you know, the, the depression, we still had segregation in Florida. All the black CCC workers had to go to Mayapa. Um, oh. And that was the only known black group uh, of CCC workers. And so I'm talking to this guy and um, he says, well, let me show you something. And the next thing I know, he's taking me into this part of the fort. Yeah, you know, Barry's with me. I don't normally just go off with strange men dressed as soldiers. Um, <laughs> but he takes me to a part of the fort that is locked, former barracks or whatever. Um, and he takes me into this back part. I mean, the public does not get to go there. And he shows me, he goes, now look, he says, this is where the WPA workers, you know, the CCC workers like signed their names on the wall when they were in here. And he says, and there's another, there's another um, troop number here. And so he was talking to me how he suspected it was possible that um, he had, that there were actually a second group of black workers who actually worked in the area that were never documented. But it was just this whole fat. I'm like, I can't believe we happened on this guy. And he takes me back. It's something most people never get to see. Um, And it turned out he was an author about Fernandina history, about Amelia Island. Um, And he's the historian for the park. And he was just really happy to talk. I mean, I mean, I can't promise you that you're going to get like a VIP tour of the fort if you go there. But I will say again that, you know, our state park rangers are just incredible. I mean, he was so happy to talk. Um, and, yeah. um, a lot of these, they probably like my father-in-law actually grew up on Fernandina and, and he talks about when 
the you could just go into the, the fort wasn't a park it was just there you could go in there they would find artifacts and you know i mean of course this is my father-in-law he's telling me i'm finding arrowheads and this and that you know who knows uh but um but it was just like kids that lived on the island would just go up there and ride their bikes and climb around and have totally free access to the place you know now when you get there you pull up to that front gate and you think okay i'm entering the park it's like another couple miles through yes. the park and then like, i think it's like three to the campground great place to camp um and the great beach is there um the fort is amazing and then I, I agree i think it is kind of like it's neat it reminds me a lot of fort de soto in the way that you have this really rather large park in a place that um otherwise would have been built out by florida real estate absolutely um, and i mean a that's lot prime these, real estate yeah like i know like um olino state park and some of those these state parks up there that the ccc was involved with the i was on on turning these into national parks you know they didn't know you know whether or not the national park system would take interest in these properties so there was there was kind of halfway an eye towards turning them into national parks i think it was probably a lofty expectation given what we know of what what does get chosen to be a national park and that they are kind of few and far between but that's the care that went into them um well that was the model they used the state yeah. the state had actually mandated that we have a state park system but it was mandated in the 20s and it was the, the bottom fell out of the land boom so they had yeah. nothing so when the ccc came in the only model they had, there was no existing state park model. Like, well, we're just going to make them look like national parks, we guess, you know, yeah, it, it yeah. would be great. Yeah. Um, well, I and, feel like, you know, for all the, the all the, you know, the way we, we like to say that our, we'd like to ruin Florida in general, the state parks in Florida, they, they are fantastic. Like you're, I'm never disappointed when I visit a state park in Florida. They're, they're always in, and this is comparing them to other state parks in other states where they're allowed to fall into disrepair sometimes like that is not the case in florida i feel like you know you can roll into any state park in florida and, and probably have excellent facilities probably a good historical exhibit um where it exists and it, i think they do a fantastic job they um they should be i mean well i yeah i i want to I would love to sit down my next book when I finish this one. I would love to sit down and do a, a narrative about just spending a year camping in Florida state yeah. parks because it's, I Except mean, for it's, booking a state park campsite in Florida. Well, <laughs> so, but the pro, I think that's going to calm down after, yeah, you, after, you know, I'm already seeing campers for sale. Like yeah. I think, I think everybody now the world's opening back up and I think it's going to calm down a little because people yeah. People bought campers thinking it was going to be one way, and then they realized you have to do things to them. But yeah, I mean, yeah. the state parks are are amazing. And what's nice about them is that I don't think there's a lot of them you can get to right off the interstate, right? So it's not, um, it requires a little bit of backroads travel to get to yeah. most of them, or at least travel through, you know, like, I guess um, the Koreshan State Park is off, I think, uh, 41 or something like that. So is... Uh, Oh, what's the one with the walking dredge in Collier near Seminole? Yeah, Collier yeah. Seminole. That's off forty one. Yeah. But even those Maples. roads, getting to them, you get you get to go by some great stuff on the roads. And yeah. 
that's part now, of the I will fun say, of traveling. Of the roads, like when you go to Fernandina, like for coming from the south, you know, we always go up 301. And you kind of like, you, you catch 301 somewhere around Ocala and just keep going. And don't even get on I-10. Don't get on 95. Just kind of cut up through, I think, uh, I forget the name of the town that's up there. Uh, is it Baldwin, maybe? There's Baldwin, Lottie, yeah. Um, yeah. Waldo. I'm talking even for like north of I-10, there's a town up there. I forget what it's called that you go through. And then you catch like whatever 200 that runs right into Amelia. They're, they're, these are great roads because they're never traffic. Now, once you hit Yuli before you get to Amelia Island, before you go over the bridge, Yuli is where everybody that used to live on Amelia Island and then they sold their properties for a minute moved. And that's where all your targets and Walmarts and everything is. And it's like a giant long stretch of, of uh, retail. But before you get all there, you know, you have like this, this 301 is kind of like this wonderful four lane non-interstate highway yes and, and you are thinking of baldwin by the way yeah am i okay yes. um so i encourage you wherever you are on the stretch of road stop stop at the guy selling boiled peanuts because a lot of people you get down south here in florida you talk about boiled peanuts and and uh and, and people aren't buying them and people haven't but tried I, them and I think you're just going to not, you're going to gas stations that are too nice if you're if you're not. That, well, that's true. Gas. You got to go. You have to go into. The, but the thing is, people don't go into gas stations anymore because you pay at the pump, right? Well, but I think you have a little unusual situation, and that your your very young son is something of a boiled peanut aficionado. Yes, yes, yes. I did just kind of slip that in there, but yeah, our son tasted boiled peanuts first time in Gulfport, Florida. At the little Where? Town Shores Market, Town Shores Market yep. used to sell them there, and um, and they're usually in a crock pot in the gas station, unless it's like a nice fancy gas station like a Wawa or something. Don't go in there if you're looking for boiled peanuts. But you can also get them on the side of the road up there. There's a place um, I want to say it's between the plantation and um, and the town proper, like on the side of the road. At like yes, and I remember specifically. And they have there's several signs. You got to stop there, get yourself a big thing of boiled peanuts. It's it's a boiled peanut. Listeners that are up north, you take a raw peanut or an unroasted peanut if you if the raw peanuts aren't in season, and you boil them and you boil them and you boil them forever. You boil them like you would in a crock pot, like all day, eight hours or something with a ton of salt. So like if I fill my crock pot up with peanuts, I'm going to pour like a half a cup of salt in there and just let them go. And by nighttime, they're soft. You open them up. They're full of that salty, briny water. And the peanuts, you can put hot sauce in them too. You can put, yeah, a lot of people do Cajun. Our son doesn't do Cajun. But not only Animal. is it a delicious, unlike many Southern delicacies, which will take a good food and make it better using all kinds of things that, that don't that aren't healthy for us you know salt is not necessarily like a vitamin or something but the boiled peanut is the healthiest way to eat a peanut it's tell true. me more about this because i'm so, having I, i'm having a hard time with that as a parent i was concerned that our son was consuming um you know half a pound of boiled peanuts every morning for breakfast so i thought you know this half certainly pounds eh, whatever a can of boiled peanuts can and a half depends on if they're measured off 
So, but yeah, like a bowl full of boiled peanuts. What is that? A quarter of a pound? I, I don't weigh them. Uh, it's not a serving, probably four servings. <laughs> anyway, um, so I Googled this. First of all, I actually asked first, we have a friend up in Cleveland who's a, a, a well-known pediatrician. He edits the Dr. Spock baby book because Dr. Spock passed away. So yes. Robert Needleman edits the Dr. Spock baby book. And we said, is it okay for him to eat these boiled peanuts? And he was like, you know, unless he's like, shouldn't eat salt. Like, you know, he's got hypertension or something or, you know, some condition that, that, that says, you know, your body's reacting to salt. It's okay. It's really hard to eat too much salt, right? And really? so he, said, he said, that's okay. And I was kind of like, you know, he was being, I, I, I took his word for it, but then I had to Google it. And researchers at one of the universities in now, I think it was Alabama, Birmingham, did a study on the boiled peanut. And the boiled peanut retains its antioxidants, its cancer-fighting agents, and its, its vitamins better because they're boiled in water and cooked in the skin Whereas when we roast them, we're removing a lot of those, those properties. They retains it four times as much as, as other preparations of the peanut. You know, typically we roast them. The boiled peanut is, is, is healthier. And when you consider, you know, the garbage that people call breakfast these days, something that is so loaded in protein and fiber and antioxidants, you know. Is this podcast sponsored by the Boiled Peanut Commission? It is not. But, you know, Peanut Patch, if you want to reach out, I've been trolling you. Um, we, we go through a lot of boiled peanuts in this house. Like I buy them in the restaurant size cans or I'll buy huge bags of them and do them myself in the instant pot. That's my new method is the instant pot, um, shaves a couple hours off of it. Um, so, but they are delicious. I'm telling you. So, so when you're driving on one of these country roads and you see boiled peanuts for sale, don't go, oh, I'm afraid to stop there. That's going to be weird. I don't know how to eat them. Go buy them. They come in a, they usually give you a bag or a styrofoam cup and you just don't, don't eat the shell. So I've seen people try and eat the shell because they're softer than a regular peanut. Don't eat the shell. You got to, so do you, you suck, you, you suck kind of suck out. the juice out. You, you open it, you kind of suck the juice out and then you open it up and the peanut is soft, almost like a bean, but not as soft as a bean, but soft, you know, as a bean that's been cooked. Um, and, and they're delicious. They're fantastic and they're good for you better than a, than a lot of the junk food out there so okay well well just just they're and not junk say, food go to familia island fernandina uh, there and stop at one of the roadside stands or a gas station the ones in the gas station are good in fact the study the study in alabama found that the canned boiled peanuts um actually were were actually a little bit healthier than the, than the roadside stand ones for whatever reason and I, I can give I, you a whole thing on the civil rights history um, of the boiled peanut if you want, but that might be for another episode. I mean, I, I, I we've gone into a very peanutty area here yes. that I didn't expect to go, but I will I will make sure that we reach out. Uh, John mentioned peanut patch. Uh, listeners who are not as aggressively pursuing the boiled peanut probably don't realize that most of the cans of boiled peanuts that you can get at grocery stores and also that they use to make the boiled peanuts at the gas stations comes from a company called the peanut patch. Yes. So um, I actually follow them on Twitter. I too no, am so a boiled I, peanut fan. I follow them on Instagram. We've actually been reposted on their Instagram, but when I reached out to, 
to try and get a pallet of boiled peanuts, they told me to be a store, <laughs> which I am not yet. So you couldn't buy you couldn't buy a pallet of peanuts. I yeah, I don't really have a, a loading dock at my gotcha. house, so I could probably go to Walmart and buy a pallet of them off of Walmart. That's what I need to do. You can also get good boiled peanuts, not peanut patch, but boiled peanuts at GFS. Um, they sell them in the freezer. They're good. Important food services. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, um, I'm, I'm when we so do, sure. we do an episode, one thing, you know, I should mention also, but going back to Amelia Island is it also is the home of American beach. Um, yeah. I was going to say, we didn't even go with that. Yeah, be its own podcast. Yeah. So we should talk about American beach and boiled peanuts and their history in the civil rights movement um, on another episode. Because American Beach, sounds... since we're not going to talk about it, American Beach was a black beach. Uh, as when, when beaches were segregated, it was a black beach that was developed by black entrepreneurs. And there was the, the subject of a movie called Sunshine State, um, although it was sort of veiled in the movie. Um, and it's right there on that stretch around the Amelia Island plantation area. I, I think that's actually probably a whole other podcast and I agree we should do that, but yeah. um, probably um, not today. We, we've talked about no. the war of Jenkins ear, Fort Clinch, why you should stop for boiled peanuts. Um, yeah. I mean, I, what else is there to say other than if you're listening and there's something about Florida you want to know, or someplace you're planning a trip and you want us to cover it in a future podcast, um, please reach out to us. I mean, just, let us know and we'll be happy to do it. We love to get, we love to get email. Um, we'll put a, a link in the show notes so you can find it, but you can always send me an email at Kathy at gmail.com. Don't know how to spell it. You do have to go to the show notes. I'm not going to, uh, She's yeah, not going to spell it for you. I it's, it's a long name. Um, but yeah, definitely reach out to us because we love to talk about all parts of Florida. And if you're not a boiled peanut person, we can definitely tell you what other food you should stop and eat in Florida along the road. Yeah. So, but I think that's, that's pretty much, we agreed. That's our motto on a road trip. Just always stop. You never regret, stop. Yeah. you never regret not, you never regret stopping, but you will regret not stopping. I, I still regret to this day, the day we were driving into the Everglades on 41 on the Tamiami trail. And there was a couple sitting on some very nice cast off dining room chairs, like the 1980s type with the peach upholstered backs and stuff, you know, with the white frame. And they were holding, one of them was holding a teenage gator and there was a sign saying, come inside and hug and hug and pet a gator. And I didn't a stop. A teenage gator? Yeah. So it wasn't like a hatchling. It was probably about three feet long, three to four feet long. But it wasn't like 13 years old. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, in gator years. Um, so yeah, it's teenagers. Okay. So, what are gator years? Uh, I don't know. They're like dog years of seven, you know? No, or? I think gators live long. I don't. Gators live, they say, 40 years on average. So teenage okay. gator, I mean, he was probably, I don't know, six. I, I don't know. I don't know how they grow. Gators <laughs> freak me out a little bit. But I regret not stopping. And I've never seen them there since. We drive it at least once a year, and I've never seen them since. So you always stop. You never know. You never know what you're going to find. Yep. Driving or turn planet. around. Turn around. You can That's turn around. That's not always not always not easy, easy when to you're turn pulling around. a camper. I mean, yeah, we're, I mean, ever... we're in a 25 foot RV. There've been times I'm like, okay, I have to make a three point turn on this two lane road because I got to go see what that was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to stop traffic and just, uh, they can all wait. 
<laughs> All right, uh, folks, thanks for listening. Uh, hope you enjoyed learning about uh, Fernandina and Amelia Island and boiled peanuts today. Um, I've been one of your hosts, Kathy Celestri, along with, of course, John Kyle. And we'll see you next time on the Florida Spectacular. <laughs>